Okay, so we talked about our values last week, and that's the most important thing is for us to now start either changing our values, reassessing um, re re our values, changing where uh, it's necessary, and also teaching our children and everybody that we come into contact with. Uh, this is the way we are going to impact um, and, and bring about change. And that's the aim. It's not, th this course is not for you. It's for you to share with other people, guys. Um, so add your own, your own experiences, but please try and speak to other people. As I said, people are desperate. They don't know where to turn to now, especially with the high cost of living. Um, and, and this is more to, to remind people that there is hope. Despite the fact that everything looks very grey, just as we have these storms now and the rain, but the rain does subside and we need to know. We serve a mighty God uses different ways to, to make himself known to us and to help us and to provide for our needs. And uh, I, I believe one of the ways that God provides for us and, and protects us is through the laws that we have in our country. We have these acts, as I mentioned last week, we have the National Credit Act, which is there to help people. It's to help consumers and credit providers. It gives us all protection, and it also gives us uh, uh, options if we are struggling financially. And um, there's a lot of training material there's, uh, uh, you know, for us to try and figure out how, uh, if we are struggling, or to just guide us, and as I said, there's, um, uh, they, these are some of the, the materials that, that we have. So values and our, our money, and I think you've got uh, in your handout, you've got these questions here. What, what we do with our money says a lot about what's going on in our hearts. Money can be a very valuable servant, and money can positively impact our lives, our communities, and our nations. And we all know, we all have different relationships with money. We actually do have a relationship with money and uh, how we, uh, we live our lives. And I think Max, uh, earlier on, he spoke about, um, about how we are, we are loudest. The loudest part of our lives should be the way we live our lives. That's what Max spoke about in the preach today. And money and how we spend our money uh, how we carry ourselves, I think, is one of the major ways in which we can shout loudly and, and uh, you know, uh, make ourselves uh, know, you know, let, be the light, be the light that's out there. Okay, so why? Why do we need money values? The things we do with our money, such as spending too much, overspending, being over-indebted, these are directly linked to our beliefs about money. Um, if, if we don't have positive beliefs or values about money, we won't have positive behaviors with our money. So again, the values impact on us in more ways than, than one. And as you are all aware, the Bible has a lot to speak about money, not just tithing. And guys, this is just a recap from last week. We went through most of this last week already. I'm not gonna spend time on the Bible verses, Uh, we did mention that money is a good, uh, a good tool that, uh, that is available to us to use. Uh, but when we make money our masters, and when we have the love of money and we hanker after money uh, for selfish needs and for greed, then we're heading in the wrong direction. If money becomes our master. 
and that is the last thing we want with our money. When we refuse to allow money to compromise our personal values, it can make money a very valuable servant and can positively impact our lives, our communities, and our nations. And it's not bad for us to want to be well off financially. God wants us to be well off. Uh, he owns everything. We are just, as I said, we are the stewards only. And uh, we, we need to uh, understand that, that God's plans for us, he's got a good plan for us, Jeremiah 29, 11, is it? God has a good plan for every single one of us. Um, there's nobody that is excluded from God's plan. It's, the problem is that we exclude ourselves, or we uh, think that we are not worthy to be included in God's plans. But God loves us all, and, he's, and, and we need to accept that. We need to start living in, in this victory that we already have with God. Even though we struggle, we might struggle, we'll go through hills and valleys. We need to always remember and focus and know that God is there for us. Uh, nothing is against <coughs> us, and he will make a way where there seems to be no way. Uh, there's talk now that interest rates are going to be going up again. Um, you know, the Reserve Bank sits every, every two months and they decide on interest rates. And the interest rates have been increasing uh, from, was it November 2021? Every second month, the interest rates have been steadily increasing. I think the last two sittings, it just remained constant there. Those are the only two times that there were no increases. So if we start looking into what's going on around the world and expecting what man is going to be doing and uh, worrying about all of those things, we can get ourselves into a very, very deep, dark, ugly place. We need to focus on God and know that even if interest rates do go up, we will be okay. It's not going to be the end of the world. The cost of living goes up. We might have to cut down. We might have to struggle a little bit. God never said that, you know, when we are saved or when we are following him that we are not going to have challenges. We are going to have our hills and valleys, rain and sunshine. We have to have all of this in order to, um, uh, to experience the fullness and to appreciate also. So, okay, I think this is also uh, in your, your uh, handouts. Complete the following, South African workforce. You can, you can just go through this in your own time, or we can just have a quick discussion. What, what do we see happening in the South African workforce? People. I think it's children, people, job opportunities as well. Quite, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of attrition going on. And, yeah. Especially since COVID, things have, our world has gone upside down. Yeah. So in the workforce, and there's no stability, people are being exploited. Um, and then there's also laziness. There's laziness and there's uh, uh, expectations. Uh, with a, a number of people have this uh, um, uh, mentality where they feel that they shouldn't, they don't need to work. They can just uh, get handouts. And so this is the world that we live in. And there's a number of factors that contribute to, to the way things are deteriorating. And we, as I said, we are... Uh, supposed to be the light now and leading people out, out from the darkness. Um, there's so many of these get-rich-quick schemes. Mm. Even in our industry, in the credit industry, and as I said with me, uh, I, uh, you, all of you know that my job or my business is debt counseling. 
and financial literacy training and coaching is actually my calling, my ministry. But in this industry, in the debt counseling industry, there's atrocities. Um, one of the ladies last week mentioned about there's advertising, false advertising that's yeah. out there. Uh, people are just trying to make a quick buck. Every, every business is trying to make money. Not only business, even individuals are trying to make money quick, uh, quick and easy because things are tough. And we know money makes the world go around. Without money, we can do nothing. So people are, they find, they have become very creative also in the ways that they make money. And uh, especially people who are struggling financially, they can be very gullible. Um, somebody comes to you with a get-rich-quick scheme, and you've got some money to invest, you've got, bless you, you've got, assuming you've got 10,000 rand to invest and somebody could come up to you and say, hey, I can turn that 10,000 rand around for you. Uh, we've got this investment scheme where you can make lots of profits. Even all these cryptocurrencies and there's, yeah, there's so many of these things that are going on and it's becoming more and more popular. Every, I mean, whenever uh, you go onto social media, you have all these little fishing lines dropping, uh, you know, wanting to hook you into uh, some uh, get-rich-quick scheme or another. For and Bitcoin, sorry, for Bitcoin, it's always the celebs that are now pushing it. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. but, but there again, most of these, I believe, are actually false advertising. It's mm. not legitimate. Okay. Same as mm. we spoke last week about Cyril uh, Ramaphosa's uh, a picture being used to advertise even debt intervention. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like he is calling the people and telling the people that you can qualify for debt intervention. And I mentioned a little about debt intervention last, uh, last week. Um, I am actually very, very skeptical about what is going to be happening when, when that act is actually in force. Uh, I see, it, maybe I'm just being skeptical, but that could lead to major chaos. Um, and, and the sad thing is that, uh, this is my opinion again, I don't believe our government is actually thinking about uh, the, the majority of people. They're not looking after the best interests of the people and communities. They seem to be greedy and selfish and they're just trying to find a way to just exploit what they have. They're not really concerned and that is a sad reality we are living in. And as I said, I'm, I'm just clarifying that this is my opinion. and. Um, I, I believe that we shouldn't be scared to talk out. Every single one of us, we should be bold, we should be able to speak out. And if there's a chance of uh, me making a difference in any, it doesn't matter what, uh, how small a way I can make a difference, and get people to change their mindset or review their mindset, I think I am doing something that uh, you know, God wants me to do. Are um, some of those uh, getting rich quickly trusted or sustainable, some that really exist? I don't know of any that really exist. Yeah. I, I, don't, I personally don't know of any, but I'm very skeptical about the, those two. I, will, I won't even go and investigate. Yeah, I won't. Pyramid schemes, I think. Pyramid schemes, yeah. There, there are a few people that obviously are making money, but you don't only find it with get-rich-quick schemes. You have holiday packages that are being advertised. You know, any way people can make some money. Um, I mean, we, we'd all like to go out, take a break, go on a holiday and things. And when you go on, onto social media, and the, the good thing is everything is available to, uh, to us. All this information is available on our phones. We've got all the social media. Um, we've got so much information available. We've got information overload, actually. 
and people are actually exploiting all of this. And, and as I said, a number of people are very, very, they're either desperate or gullible. So they will just go for any get-rich-quick skills. We need to be wise guys. We need to be, uh, what's, what's the saying in the Bible? Uh, why it says, uh, as a serpent, I think, and harmless as a dove, or something. Yeah, okay, I don't know all the Bible verses. You can see I'm not a preacher either. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we need to exercise wisdom. I know in uh, one of the verses in Timothy says that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of, what was it, love, power, and a sound mind. So the sound mind, we need to exercise the sound mind of ours and not just fall for everything. And we see people around us, our friends, families, relatives, who are falling for these things and they come and speak to you and encourage you, try to get you to, to buy into these schemes. I have yet to find a single person who can come to me and say, you know what, I actually made money out of this. Um, even, even with my clients who are under debt review, there's companies out there that are enticing these people to get off debt review. Uh, and uh, they promise them that if you get off debt review, we will be able to organize loans for you, you'll be able to avail of credit. Because the one, one of the things with debt review, if a client goes under debt review, they cannot take any loans whilst they're under debt review. And that's for obvious reasons, because the debt review is, the aim of debt review is to get you debt free. So you can't be digging that hole and still trying to cover up that hole at the same time. It's like you dug yourself into this hole and Debt Review is there to try and help you to come out of that hole that you dug yourself into. So you can't be digging and covering up at the same time. And I know a number of municipal workers, they do that. You find them constantly having work because they're digging the same hole and they're covering up the same hole constantly. And this is what will happen uh, if we, uh, you know, if uh, consumers were allowed to borrow money um, once they're under debt review. So during that period once they're under debt review, they're not allowed to borrow money. And there's a number of these companies that go out there and say, uh, no, we can get you off debt review um, and then you can borrow money again. And people are actually um, uh, applying or going to them, but they have to pay them a fee upfront. Uh, and some of these people are so gullible, they pay that fee upfront. And they say, no, we, they stop paying to us the debt review. And then they come back to me a year or two years later and saying, no, you, you know what, that was that actually didn't work out. Uh, there's no sign of these people that promised to help them out and they want to go back on the debt review. So there's, there's chaos out there. And the, uh, this is people that, uh, that actually cause, cause the chaos. Okay, we're not going to watch these uh, videos. I wanted to say, as the South African workforce, I was still on that one, um, feel they underappreciate because the, the cost of living is like going up, inflation is rising higher than you're getting a pay raise. So yeah. you, you can't meet needs, it's making them not work as hard. It's demotivating. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. It um, is really demotivating. I was reading somewhere like if, if someone wants a raise, they sometimes don't give a raise, they say, yes, pizza. <laughs> Just to say, appreciate you for your work. But also, this is also what the government does when they go out there and they have their campaigns. That's literally what they are doing. They give people a handout and people are so desperate. Yeah, you know, that handout is, is something that, you know, it's food. People, I mean, if you look at uh, human behavior, um, I mean, if our basic needs are not met, we, as, as only when our basic needs are met do we start aspiring towards higher higher levels of satisfaction. 
the majority of they don't have, you know, safety. So they're looking for that. The majority of the people are going for that, and you find even with the campaigns, and people can be bought. You give them a KFC package or a handout of food hamper. And they're desperate, they need it, and that's what you say happens in the workforce also, they're being given. But you, do you know that back in the day, I remember my grandparents, um, they worked in the sugar uh, factories and things like that. They used to get, what, what was it called? Um, they used to receive actually like hampers. They got a salary, but they used to receive the basic uh, 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 meals, like rice and or is it flour or mealy meal and all, all the basic things. They got like a hamper, it was like a food hamper. There was a word for it in the past. I don't think there's anybody old enough here to, to know uh, what I'm speaking about. Okay. Yeah, most, most countries, they, they did that. And, and this is what's happening. You also find now sometimes uh, uh, when you're working for a company, they might give you a voucher. Because it, it's also related to tax. Uh, you know, everything impacts on everything else. There's, a, there's like a domino effect that takes place. So if they're giving you increases, it, it most probably will impact on their tax uh, in, in some way. Even our tax rates, um, it's on a sliding scale. Uh, the higher you earn, the higher your, your uh, tax. So some companies actually try and keep your tax deductions low and they, they might give you a voucher or give you some other way to compensate, but it's not, not cash. I was talking to someone last week and they were telling me that this thing we are doing for the system fund, for us as lady, why got some SIM card? She said, no, when the bank phones, they'll earn money, I change that SIM card to the phone one number. Like, but why do that? Because, yes, they're being harassed, they owe the bank's money. That, that's happening very, very often. And you're, most of these people don't take their calls. My clients are, are guilty of that. By the time they come to me, they, they tell me that all the banks are harassing them. They don't even answer their phone any longer. So those are all signs that you know you're heading in the wrong direction and you need to take some proactive steps. And just uh, changing your number or not answering the phone is not going to help. Some people actually change their bank accounts. Uh, they move from one bank to another but because there's... But that doesn't help because you are also picking up on the RD. No, no, but this is, this is uh, what they do is uh, your salary, um, may, you might have loans, and obviously when you take, get a loan, one of the first things you have to do if, as part of your credit agreement is you need to sign a debit order. So on the day that you get paid, the bank actually deducts their money long before you can. And I see this daily with, uh, with my work that people, when their salary hits their accounts, uh, all their debit orders get processed and they left with very little money to live off uh, for the rest of the month. And this is a sad reality that we, that we are facing now. Most people have that. I mean, these loan debit orders, some people, uh, at least 70% of their salary goes towards repaying debts. So they've got 30%. Like that's the major workforce, the South African workforce. About 70% of their income goes towards debt repayment. So you've got 30% to live off. Um, so just to take it back a bit, you were saying um, in terms about how like, companies will like, advertise things like, on the web or whatnot, like, like these, these, schemes, these schemes or whatever, to, like, for money loan. I'm not saying money loan, but 
to make money quickly yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And also, you know, some of how you have a debt review as well. But then I realized that also banks nowadays, they promote people to use like their credit cards mm-hmm. more, like, oh, you'll get more points to use a credit card. You yeah. swipe. And then you realize by the time you've used up your credit, your credit card limits, you probably don't have the money to repay. And then every month you're just tripping away into that debt, that debt hole you bring yourself. It's just because the bank is saying, oh, if you spend 2,000 on your credit card, you get 2,000 points and whatever. But you realize as time goes on, it's actually going to like be more of a detriment to you and your credit, credit score and whatever. So also yeah. banks are doing this thing of like promoting you to use more credits. Yeah, but remember, so, yeah. banks, that's their business. Yeah, it is. It and, is. and they have sure. their consultants yeah. that are working in the banks. They have targets. And that's one it. of it is to, to hand out credit. So they will try and touch business from you because it impacts on their bottom line. And that, again, is something that is, that is so... It's scary and it's sad because yeah. this is their livelihood, but, their consultants' livelihood. Yeah, but then also, I mean, if you if your credit score whatever is bad, now you can't take out a loan because you're under debt review, because the bank told you to like use up your credits, because you can you get incentives sometime in the future. That is also, why yeah. you need to be so careful before taking credits, and I think yeah. that's going to be part of one of our future sessions is about credits. Um, obviously, all of us. Uh, we, we want to have, what, another aim of this course is to ensure that we have a good credit, good strong credit record mm. uh, and a good credit score because the reality is that we need credit. There are times we need credit and then there's good credit and there's bad credit. Yeah. I, I, I can't think of a single person who can go and buy a house or a car with cash. Nobody's got the cash for that. Now that, in my opinion, is good credit. If we are taking a loan to buy a car, um, or, or even to start up a business, and in some instances it's also um, when, when we take a loan for uh, to start up a business, yeah. uh, you know, those would be good loans. So we need to look at the reason why uh, we want to borrow money. It's very important that we assess before we borrow money, we, we need to uh, as, uh, look at the reasons and if that is the best option for you, then then you will go for it. Oh, okay. because I'm yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just very interesting. The, 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 I went this week. I went to the bank. I got check my money. Everything doesn't bounce or anything. Like to check how much I'm owing the bank or anything on my card and made a new card for my son. And then I, while I was there, the bank. This guy was talking about his mother passing away, but I asked the banker after he left, is there any birth certificate they give you for his mother's, his mother's death that she passed away? Because some people go to the bank nowadays, like, mom passed away, I need money. And her, and her, her financial, like, her provident fund or something like that. But can the bank give details of if my mom passed away tomorrow, like, for example? Can, because I was wondering, how can no. people do that? It's wrong to do that. No, they can't. They're not allowed to give information. Even if somebody passed away, there has to be, it goes through a process. There has to be a letter of executorship. Um, and and only after the, it's, it's a long yeah, way. No, sorry, it's a bank guy now, because he couldn't get his money out. Oh, yes, no. Well, the, the bank consultant was doing the right thing. Yeah. They could get into, into big trouble um, if they... Anybody else? <laughs> um, I, I don't know 
think I answered your question. I, I think I. I uh, it's fine. I think we'll probably answer it more as. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really important for us to uh, to do an assessment, and also we're going to be talking about cost of credit. Okay, so we started off with a self-audit tool. There's some here, for those of you who haven't uh, filled it out, you can do it. I don't want to see it, I, um, but I just wanted to, yes, I meant to just talk to you. So last week when we started our session, um, I got 11 of these self-audit tools back. And uh, just to assess which areas we should focus on during this course. And one of the questions that we asked was in, in terms of financial planning and budgeting, uh, a number of people's, uh, the question was, I have emergency funds in place, uh, for example, to pay for repairs of my car, uh, if my car breaks down. And there were nine people out of 11 that said, no, they don't have. So this is also part of our financial planning. You know, the, we, we're going to be talking about budgeting later today. I've given you all a budget template, and it would be nice if you could all go through the budget template, work out your own budget. I don't. I, I told you guys right at the outset. I don't want any of your personal information to be uh, discussed uh, here during this uh, the workshop. But if you want to have a one-on-one -on -one with me, I'm not going to charge you. I'm happy to have a one-on-one -on -one with you uh, at, the, at the end of this course, and we can go through your budget and things like that. But that is at a, at a later stage. Um, but this, this is, the, I mean, just from our group, the majority of the people don't have a, an emergency fund. The other thing that concerned me is consumer rights. Um, the question was, I am aware of and have knowledge of the National Credit Act. There were six out of 11 people who didn't know about, uh, about this, and three were um, undecided or they knew partially. Um, and then banking products, and you've been talking about this, this is what we need to talk about, the different banking products. Remember, all the banks are out there, um, they all provide the same, uh, the same services. And what we need to remember is that the cost, even within a bank, they have different types of accounts. I bank with FNB. FNB has, I think, a blue and a uh, gold, and a, uh, it used to be status, Accounts, premium accounts, uh, different categories of accounts. Yeah, but what are these different categories of accounts based on? What's the difference between each of these accounts? Uh, the things like salaries and the yes. fee, fee for the fees. The fees, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so these accounts are uh, the difference between them. They provide the same service, but the costs are, are different and. It's each one is aimed at a different salary or income bracket. So the higher your bracket is, um, the higher the fees are, but they'll give you a black card and black is the in thing now. Um, and it's prestige. It's just to, to get our, uh, us and our egos you know, fluffed up. And the bank will phone you and tell you that, hey, um, Richard, well done, congratulations. You've been banking with us for such a long time. And uh, we, uh, we are, you qualify now for an upgrade in your account. That upgrade in your account, all it means is you're going to get a card which the public now sees as a more prestigious card than what you previously had. And many people will, will jump at that opportunity. Hey, you know, now I've got, I had a blue card. Now I'm given the opportunity to have a, a gold card or a, a platinum card. And people are going for that because this is how they are finding their value now. 
that is what says that, oh no, because if I have this color card or this type of account, then I'm the man. Um, if I don't have these accounts, I mean, a number of people don't want to have transmission accounts. Uh, there's, there's all different types of accounts. As I said last week also, we started off with savings account and check accounts. That was back in the day. What is a it's, uh, it's one that you just use all the time. Most accounts now are transmission accounts because there's no more checks in place. So your normal account, transmission accounts are the ones between a check account and a savings account, uh, which, as I said, check accounts now have actually become transmission accounts because now you can use your cards and things and access. But back in the day, when I started working in the bank, there was just savings accounts and check accounts. Your savings accounts, you could only access that in the bank you have to go into the bank and draw out cash and deposit money into your account. But your check account, then you could deposit into your check account, you issued a check, that's how you access your account. Now as technology has changed, now we got uh, access cards, we got ATM cards. All these ATMs and things, they only came into, into being after the night, I think it was when, about 1985, I think we started uh, the first uh, I think it was called the Bob machine, and, and Barclays Bank had actually come up with that initially, and I worked for Barclays Bank. We were the forerunners with the, with the ATMs. And, and then all the banks followed suit, and, and now everybody has got cards. Now, even the stores have cards. You don't need to have a bank account. You go to pick and pay, and you have a card. Woolworths will give you a card. They give you credit cards. Everybody's doing it. Every, every, uh, most businesses have become banks now. And you look at, last week we spoke about uh, SIM cards. Now, businesses and, and some bright sparks have already latched onto this idea and they discovered that more people have SIM cards than homes and cars or anything else. So now they're targeting, um, uh, they're making SIM cards like a banking. You can do your banking using your SIM card. You got your e-wallet. You can transfer money from one person to another without having any bank accounts. You just do your e-wallet things. So there's, there's people, as I said, creative, everybody, I mean, there's, there's a lot of creativity that's out here now. Um, okay, so, okay, we're still talking about making your money, I'm, I'm recapping for a very long time here. Okay, we spoke about making money the honest way. Dishonesty or corrupt institutions may have short-term benefits, but they are not sustainable in the long term. Uh, we hear about how many of these businesses that just pop up like mushrooms and then they, they disappear. So, yeah, they just do a, a number of people down and then they disappear off the face of the earth. Okay, that should be, are we proud of how we make our money? It's, it's very important that, uh, you know, we, we need to make our money in, in a way that we are not embarrassed to talk about it. And there's a number of people out there who make money in a way that uh, they, they're very underhanded or very dodgy and, and they won't talk to you about uh, what they're actually doing now, uh, how they make their money. <laughs> okay, so any questions on that part, guys? That was about honesty and earning, and which we covered last week. Okay, so we're going to move on to responsibility in spending. Our main uh, the main thing all of us do is we we hear we make money, um, we work to uh, to earn an, an income, and then what do we do with that money? Um, 
So firstly, we, we here we earn money. Even the Bible talks about working, and this morning Matt also spoke about working. If a man doesn't work, he must eat. So we have to eat, we have to work. We have to eat, we have to work in order to, to be able to eat. And um, so we earn this money. And what happens after we earn the money? What do we do with the money? We spend. We spend. We spend. We save. We give. But that's saving. Okay, saving is not spending, but giving is also a form of, uh, of spending money. So we, we earn the money. Now, now we need to learn how to how to spend the money. How do we spend the money? There's different ways. If, if each one of you were given a million rand now, how would you, what would you do with that million rand? I'm sure every single one of you would have different uh, uh, different responses to how you what you would do with, uh, if you had suddenly won a jackpot and you were given a million there. It's a nice thought to have and it's a nice game to play. So let's spend a few minutes dreaming. Yes, and it's possible. Nobody said it's impossible for us to have a million there. God is our provider. Maybe maybe it happens to you. What happens? What do you do if you have a million there? What would you do? Okay, some of us will go and invest it and earn interest. Remember that the story in Matthew about the talents? Let's see, yes. Settle debt. Settle yeah. Anybody else? What would you do if you had a million? Find apartments. Sorry? Find apartments. An apartment, yeah. Buy a house. And what's in the project? Create project? Creating, okay, so investing again. Opening a project, yeah. Yeah, give it to charity, maybe. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Start off in a, a charitable organization. Why don't go on holiday? None of you would want to go on a holiday. I would. Okay. I would want to go on a holiday if I got a million rand. That's one of the things I would want to do with it. Okay, something that that is difficult to do, especially in this day and time. But every single one of us will will find different ways to spend the money. But what is the most sensible way to do it? We could we could bury it uh, and not make any money. We could like like those talents, the five and the three and the and the one talent, and we, we could we could do it either way. We could go and make money, let it grow. Um, so the value of spending responsibly is there value to spending responsibly? Yes, there is. There are benefits to that. And as I said, my experience is easy come, easy go. I've noticed everybody I saw making money quickly, they just spend it as quickly as, as they made it. Sometimes they even faster than they made it. So the biggest problem is that we do not spend our money responsibly. Uh, responsibly. And the thing is with money, it's decisions. Again, it's about us making decisions. How are we going to spend the money? We have to decide how we're going to spend the money. And we look at um, the main things that, uh, that affect uh, our decision making is in my opinion, again, needs and wants. It, and what should, normally should be happening is our needs have to first be met. Once our needs are met, then we will start going for our wants. Needs are the necessary spending. The things that we actually need, uh, we have to have. Well, yeah, I'm just glad you just spoke on the needs and wants thing because now I'm just going back to the one million um, topic. Really? 
it's such a, a tricky position to be in. And I think I know it happens a lot, like a lot of people are living like that and have to support families. And it's like, it's almost like if you don't do it, then it's almost like people don't have another option. So I think you just, there's this pressure that, okay, mm -hmm. let me just yeah. do this, because for now there's no other solution. Um, but I think probably long term, guys, we, we seriously need to pray because unemployment is a, is a huge issue. Because mm -hmm. I was even reading that actually it's um, there's an extended unemployment rate, um, which includes the people who have been looking for jobs but have been, have given up, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually higher than um, what we think it is. So I think. It all adds up and it adds to things like black tax and yeah, just all all these elements sort of influence each other. So yeah, I think let's pray. Let's pray that yeah, God would yeah, give us solutions. Have to. God has to make yeah. a way. Um, uh, but the thing is also, you know, if, uh, for those of you who have flown, they say you must put on your mask first before helping others with their masks. And it's it's important for us to also. Uh, understand that I know it's easier said than done, mm -hmm. and it is family, and, yeah. and you feel an obligation and things. But I don't know; it's difficult. Ask God for guidance. <laughs> say in these areas. Okay, so spending. We need to be very careful about how we ask, how we spend our money because there are consequences, you know, to overspending, and and there's also benefits and advantages to spending responsibly. But I can't tell you what responsible spending is, how you should be spending responsibly. I can tell you what works for me. I can guide you, I can advise you, but each one of us at the end of the day, we're going to have to make that decision for ourselves. Uh, prioritizing, again, as I said, needs and wants and where your, where your priorities are. Um, it's also important for us to, to plan and to set goals. So once we are doing the budget, uh, you, you guys have all got a, a budget template. Uh, which you can, that, that can be your homework or work on that and then next week we can discuss the budgets in, in more detail. But the thing to bear in mind is when you are doing a budget um, is talk to your family also, don't do it on your own. Um, in terms of your financial uh, affairs, I think it's important that for those of you who have children, that your children understand that, uh, you know, that machine doesn't just uh, spit out money. <laughs> you have to do something, but most kids they think, no, no, mom, why, why can't we get this? Go to the machine and get the money. <laughs> we don't teach our children that they, yeah, that's not magic that happens. It's a, not a manufacturing money, manufacturing machine. And we need to teach our children. We take it for granted because, okay, we know, uh, you know that you put money in, you got a, a certain amount, and uh, you can draw, you do your budget and things like that, but. It, it will be so much nicer if your children learn from an early age. Even when you give them their pocket money, teach them to budget. Start teaching your kids to do your budget, their budgeting from, from the time they start off with your spending. Even tithing. Tithing is a thing that we, we need to do. It's difficult. When I first started tithing, I wrestled. It was a wrestling match with me because uh, at that time I was a single mother with three children and really struggling financially. And I have to say, it's ludicrous to, for me to, to actually go and tithe. And, and when I did start tithing, my eldest child was upset with me because I couldn't buy him the things he wanted, but I was giving money to the church. And he actually ended up being angry with the church. 
because he felt the church is taking my money and this is a reality that we all face and we as parents it's our job to train our children and I've learned that the, the earlier you start training them the easier it is because I had this problem with my eldest child but my other two children I didn't really have the problem because they were much younger they didn't understand and as children grow they, they start being resentful and these are all realities as humans these are the phases we go through these are the emotions that, that we have and uh, and it's very important uh, guys as I said for those of you who are uh, our parents start teaching your children at an early age teach them financial responsibility instill the good values into them because right now we know the values that are out there are really skewed values um, it's it's we're going along with the world right now the world has such an, a, a huge influence on us and I did mention last week that to change uh, uh, the way things are in the world is going to take a few generations it's not going to happen overnight but it starts now we have to start now in, in order to see something uh, to, to have a better future for our children and our grandchildren I'm at an age now where I'm thinking about my grandchildren how are they going to cope and sometimes uh, as as uh, we we learned from the verse, the Bible verse of uh, was it Peter walking on water, mm. and as soon as he started taking his eyes off Jesus, he started sinking. And I don't know about you, but it happens to me so often that I I take my eyes off Jesus and I start sinking, and I feel myself sinking, and then I say, Hey, wake up, look up again, and and then I find that uh, things are looking brighter. If you look up, things start looking brighter. But we have to remind ourselves. And the more we remind ourselves, the more aware and conscious we get of these things. And we, we, if we start this with our children at an early age, they'll become aware and, and uh, you know, more and more aware. Unlike us, I mean, I became a Christian when I was like 36 years old. And, and at that stage, I started going on all these courses. I, went, uh, I mentioned to you last week also that I did all these money management courses. And these money, money management courses told you how to spend your money. Uh, uh, how to spend your money, how to, all, all of the things that I'm hoping to do, to explain to you, or to guide you on, like have the emergency funding, have savings, have a budget. All of those things, they tell you, or teach you about all of those things, but I have yet to find uh, any course that told me that, okay, now you've finished, you, you're already messed up, you're way in over your head with debt, your, your finances is really a mess, what now? Nobody was able to tell me what now. And I'm here to say there is. There is a way out. There is help at hand. And you want Yeah, just to add, I think also the government should, in some context, the, the government should come out and start to spread information about spending. Because when we talk about... When we talk about parents to teach children in the early age, most of parents, they don't know. They don't. So don't imagine teach. to go to give information that you don't get. So who should we teach those children how to spend? And you find out that there's extreme stress that comes when you get the money. That's one day. You have the stress how to spend. And also when normally there's a stress, I need money. So that can like, I don't know, can help help the happiness of using money just maybe one day or two days. So you don't have money, there's a stress. Don't have, um, you don't have money, also there's a stress. So it's, yeah, you have money, there's a stress how to spend and so on. So I think something from the, yeah, I said it from the government. But yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I, 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 I believe some parents, they don't know about the teaching they should do at this point. Yeah. yeah, but, but we children. have to know in order to pass on the knowledge that we have. Some parents don't know, they, they don't have this knowledge. Sorry, I think the reason for that is, um, if you look specifically in this country's context, a lot of majority of the people don't come from a history or background of financial literacy yeah. mm. in the family. So an, so an example is a lot of people's, um, because of so much poverty is, those parents, when they were kids, they didn't. Their parents didn't tell them about saving and all of this, or they didn't see it in practice because they were struggling too. So that's why a lot of majority of the people are starting uh, from the on the back foot financially. That's why you have the. Well, that's one of the reasons why you have the statistics you showed earlier, where a lot of people couldn't make their payments or are living below the poverty line because it's not just guys my age and young it's because even our parents they don't know themselves they weren't I actually spoke about this last week so, and I said like some of us we watched our parents they modeled it and, and we learned from them and yes the, the majority of, uh, of, uh, of the population haven't been banked in the past this is now why the National Credit Act came into being also to, to iron out all those um, uh, there was huge discrepancies between different income earners race groups uh, you know, they, we were all separate for years and years and years. And even in the banking industry, the only people, there was only a, a handful of people who actually qualified for, for uh, loans and they had bank accounts. The majority had savings accounts. In the past, people were getting paid uh, cash. Now everybody has to have a bank account. Even, even those domestic workers also. They need to have a bank account because of convenience and technology and things have changed so much. So you're right. It is, people don't know, they, they haven't been taught this. There, there was no background. Um, it wasn't modeled by the parents. When I started work in the bank, which was in 1980, long before you were born, um, uh, what we used to have is the majority, I worked in a rural bank. So the, the majority of our clients used to come in with a little savings book. And we had to fill out deposit slips, and they used to go to the teller and deposit money into their, their accounts. When they needed money, they came to us, we filled out a withdrawal slip, and they went to the teller and they withdrew the money. And it was written out into this book. Everything was done manually, but now you don't need to even go into a bank. Um, and, and yeah, there's education. The banks are all supposed to be educating and teaching uh, people when they open accounts. Even when a person takes a home loan, I mean, that is also a fairly new concept. Majority of the people did not, uh, uh, you know, only now people are just getting home loans and things. But back in the day, uh, the uh, bigger part of the population couldn't buy houses. They lived in, even now I think it's very predominant, they live in rural areas. They don't actually take loans. And what I found happening is the people that live in these rural areas, those properties are under the chief. So currently they don't get a bond to improve their houses. And a number of my clients are in this position where they are professionals, but they live in the rural areas, they built their houses or extended their houses, and but they took loans from African Bank. They took like a 300,000 rand loan from African Bank and they paid 27% interest on those loans. Whereas we, when I bought a house, I took a bond 
but that was a secure debt. My my property is uh, uh, was initially was owned by the bank, literally owned by the bank. I got a loan. They passed us a, a mortgage one over my property, but I was paying like maybe ten percent interest, whereas. These poor people are borrowing money at 27% per annum interest over a shorter term also. And again, yeah, part of that credit agreement is they sign a debit order. And the debit order, when the salary hits the money, uh, their account, before they can even draw any money, the money is taken by the banks. So the banks are sitting nice and smug because they got paid. But this poor person got like 30% of the income to spend. And the majority of my clients are in this position. When they come to me, what I do is I negotiate with the credit providers. We reduce the interest rate from 27% to half a percent. Half a percent. And lower sometimes, but uh, we, we don't advertise this. But this is what I've been doing for the last but 15 years. At midnight, a lot of people go at, at midnight, but now the banks and companies have become so sharp. Now now you have this, uh, 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 what's it called? Debit check. Debit check. So now you can't go and stand in line also because the, the, the system actually searches your account for like three days before your payday and three days after your payday. As soon as money hits your account, those debit orders are gone. Yeah. So it's becoming more and more difficult for people to actually... Uh, uh, you know, go and draw their salary out before uh, the, the banks take their money. And, and this is what uh, what we are facing. I mean, people's, as I said, up to 70%, in some cases, it's even more than 70% of the income is going towards debt repayment. So this is why, again, why it's so important for us to budget and, and, and to be disciplined. We have to be disciplined with our budget. And if we find ourselves in a position where we are just not making ends meet, here again, thank God, We've got, our government has got some initiatives in place to help these people. There are debt intervention um, mechanisms that are in place, but we need to know about how it works, the pros and the cons. And I'm hoping that uh, you know, in the next few sessions we'll be able to discuss the pros and cons, but I think it's more important for us to know how to manage our money. We got, our, got the money, how to make sure, for me, it's prevention is better than cure. And I am, uh, my aim is to try and prevent people from getting into that position where they are over-indebted because if a person is over-indebted, then there's debt counseling in, uh, that comes into play. But even, as I said, in this industry, there's been so much of corruption. There's so many bad things that have been happening. There's rogue debt counselors. There's, so you have to be very, very, very shrewd. You have to check. Um, and as I said, information overload. Even the bad people, you can go onto the internet, you can go onto, I think, Hello Peter, and, and check out people. Before you employ the services of any company or any person, go online and check, investigate, and go to people that are recommended, you, that somebody has already tried and tested, and they can tell you, uh, you know, I've done this, I've tried it out with a certain person, and it works, go and see that person. Don't just go to somebody that you don't know of, or that you just saw advertising on TV and you haven't heard. As I said, all these get-rich-quick schemes also. Mm. You see it advertised all the time. Do you actually know of somebody who's, who's made money out of that? Just look back a bit on the basic spending of money um, from household or from just a small money that you have. Uh, also, as you said, discipline, is, I think, is very important. Yeah. You can have a salary of 1000 talk about just spending money that you have, that instead of 
calling a Uber to the Ibadid money. So you know these days, yeah. it's different from our past time. Yeah. So with that 1,000 that we have, instead of maybe calling Uber, bring the food, for just 1,000 you spend for one day, mm -hmm. where you can go to market and buy packet of potato, buy mil, mil, can live one month. But with 1,000, with the Uber delivery, you can live one day. So yeah. that's a kind of Reckless spending. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is reckless spending. And also, there's a some people feel that only the high uh, income earners need to have a budget. The people that are earning a little, they don't need to have a budget. The budget is for everybody, irrespective of what amount you are, uh, you, you are earning. You see what you have, and you can work out, and you can use that debt, and you can actually see if you can actually lose it's so much better when you have a, when you can see it. When you have a budget, you're actually telling your money where to go to. Exactly. If you don't have a budget, then you are wondering where your money went to. So it's very important. I mean, this budget is, is something that we all really need to start uh, working with and, and making sure that uh, we, we know how to budget properly. And also, there, there's lots of myths about budgeting. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we just need to be wise. Ask God also, pray about it. As I said, when you drive up your budget, involve your children, involve your spouse, do it together because you need to agree also. I told you last week that, I'm sure every one of you also knows this, most of the relationship problems, family problems, stems from money problems. It's fighting about money. It's, uh, do I believe God is good and will provide all my needs? What are the reasons for spending the way I do? If God went spending uh, shopping with me, what would he say? And what is the behavior I long for when it comes to my spending? And this is also in your, in your handout, so you can have a look at that in your own time. And, uh, okay, so tomorrow, uh, next Sunday, we're going to talk about wisdom in borrowing. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, maybe we can also talk about, okay, now that we've spoken about the debt and all those things, um, in terms of like savings and investing and yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Because I know that when I was looking to buy an apartment, I actually didn't know that if you're a first time buyer and you earn little, then you get like a subsidy. subsidy. Yeah. Okay, obviously now it's not the case, but then, you know, I didn't know about that part. So maybe we can look about all those other parts now in terms of like spending, especially big purchases. Um, yeah, how to plan. Yeah, how to plan. Well, this whole budgeting is also about planning. I, I could talk to you for hours about budgeting, how to budget, uh, but in a nutshell, you have to assess, uh, figure out what's your needs, what's your wants, yeah. and you need to plan also. When you drive up a budget, you need to plan, okay, I want to buy a car by the end of the year. Mm. How are you going to budget to provide for that? Mm. I want to buy a house in the next three years. How do I budget in order to provide for that? How do you budget? Part of your budget must be savings also. So before, as I said, the important thing is first to eradicate debt. Uh, that's the main thing. You eradicate debt, then you start saving for the future. And ultimately what we want is, we want to have money for our old age. You want to know at the end when you retire, you've got money. That's the aim. I mean, all of us, we, we want to live a long, fruitful, healthy life. And at the end of it, we don't want to be thrown, thrown around, kicked around. So ultimately this, the aim is to set us free in, in a, a financially, and financial freedom means you're not going to be worrying about your future. You don't have to worry about your future. So we need to assess where we are at right now first, 
deal with this and then decide where we want to go to and then plot how we're going to get to that place. And the main tool here is a budget. It's a simple, simple little, little thing that you do. And now we can do it on, on spreadsheets. It's so easy to work out a budget and, and tracking. You have to constantly be tracking. They talk about smart goals. When you're setting a goal, you must be specific. It must be measurable. Um, what's the A for? Achievable. Achievable. Yeah, and then there's a RT. Is, uh, yeah, so, so we need to set smart goals. Now, I could spend half an hour talking to you about setting goals. We don't have the time to talk about setting goals. Um, you know, determining what's your needs and what's your wants, how to, because we also have luxury items. We have needs, we have necessities, we have non-essential, we have essential things that we spend our money on, we have non-essential things we spend our money on, and we spend on luxury things. And yes, we are God's children. We want to splash out every now and then. We want these luxury things. We, uh, I've got another picture of wants and needs where I've got a loaf of bread uh, in one of my PowerPoint presentations. This is the heartline one, but I'll, I'll play one of mine. Um, I've got a picture of a loaf of bread and a beautiful chocolate cake. Now, that is needs and wants. Which is your need and which is your want? Once your needs are met, then you can start looking at meeting your wants on the things that you want. And then once you've got that, you, you, your wants, you get greedier or you, you set higher standards for yourself. But first you have to start at the bottom. You finish as soon as you, all your needs are met, you've got enough money. Uh, the other important thing to remember is not to spend more than you are earning. And a number of people are living beyond their means. I mean, the majority of people, they're earning a thousand rand a month, they are spending 1,300 rand a month. And that has to stop. If you're earning a thousand rand a month, you should be, uh, you should try and spend, save ten percent of that. So spend only ninety percent of that amount that you are, that you are earning. That's that's the ultimate goal is to uh, go that way. But then we know we want to also uh, time ten percent. You want to save. So the ideal would be for us, you're earning a uh, thousand rand a month or whatever you are earning, ten percent tithing, ten percent saving, ten um, percent giving. And the 70% is what you should be, you should have to spend for yourself. And then you need to figure out how you're going to spend that, how you're going to allocate that 70%. It's important also to know you need to pay yourself first. Don't save what you have after, after you've, uh, you've spent your money or, or, or gone and bought everything. First save, as soon as you get paid, put away that 30%. Take it out, put it aside, and you've got your 70% budget with that 70% as to what you are going to do. Then as you start saving and you accumulate money, you need to put, uh, you, need, you need to have an emergency fund. Obviously, you can't have an emergency fund if you are, if, if you've got debts. You, you've got to first eradicate debts or be okay with your debts. If your debt repayment, you're earning a thousand rand a month and your debt repayment is 700 rand a month. You need to try and reduce that 700 to, uh, to something that's within that 70%. But we'll talk a little more about that. Maybe we'll do some practical activities instead of me just standing here and, and lecturing because I'm not, not a lecturer or a preacher. Okay, thank you. So